Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. He has word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on your According to his purpose, purpose. It's his purpose, not mine. It's day 23 of our 90-day challenge, and we are in the book of Esther. The topic for your consideration today is purpose now, party later. Esther, the first chapter, the first through the 12th verse. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes, who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehuman, Bitha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abigtha, Zephthar, and Carcass, to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. And that ends our reading for today. Again, our topic is purpose now, party later. Dr. Miles Monroe once said, our life is the sum total of all the decisions we make every day. And those decisions are determined by our priorities. What are your priorities? The day I truly woke up and realized how much I agree with this definition, I was awakened to a biblical understanding of purpose and destiny. And that was also the day that I took my decisions more seriously. The world I experience today is a byproduct of the decisions I made yesterday or the decisions I made the day before.
Every decision that you make, whether actively or passively, will impact your life in a major way, even if it shows up in a minor form. My professor at Duke once said it like this, decisions are incisions. That's something you need to write down. I'll never forget that definition for as long as I live. Decisions are incisions. He went on to explain the etymology of the word decision. And while I can't remember everything he said about it, what I never forgot was that the very word decision comes from the word incision. So every time a decision is made, something is cut. Every time a decision is made, most literally something or someone will hurt because cuts hurt. Nevertheless, decisions help us to move forward. Decisions drive us toward our destiny. Knowing that, we cannot afford to allow the, uh, the intoxication of a fleeting moment to guide our lives. In her article ranking the top habits of highly ineffective leaders, Amy Langfield warns each of us about these 12 self-sabotaging patterns that we all must eliminate if we want to be effective and impactful. Let's go, note takers. Let's go. Number one, laziness. Put it in that chat. Laziness is your inability to check the facts. When people are lazy, they do not confirm assumptions or gather additional input. Eventually, they become sloppy in their work. Lord, help us not to be lazy. Number two, not anticipating unexpected events. The reality is, friends, people pass away. Partners get divorced. Accidents happen. Markets crash. House prices go down and up. And friends are unreliable. Many of the problems you are experiencing right now might change if you were committed to becoming an anticipatory leader instead of a reactionary one. Not anticipating unexpected events is a pattern we need to break. Number three, for the note takers, indecisiveness. I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to do life with indecisive people. When faced with a complex decision, it's easy to continue to study the data without making a decision. But even indecision is a decision. It takes courage to take a leap of faith. It takes courage to consider the consequences and then still move forward. Number three was indecisiveness. Number four, remaining locked in the past. Some people make poor decisions because they're using the same old data from before. I say it like this. You are trying to do life in a, in a Netflix generation with the blockbuster mentality. Don't do life in a Netflix generation with the blockbuster mentality. Too often, when a decision goes wrong, it's because the old process is based on assumptions that are no longer true. So get out of the past. Number five, we have no strategic alignment. This is key because bad decisions stem from a failure to connect the problem with an overall strategy. But when you are committed to a plan that aligns everyone, bound together by a crystal clear strategy, better solutions are the result. Better solutions quickly rise to the top. So work on your strategic alignment before you start driving toward destiny. Have you checked your alignment? Number six is overdependence. Please keep taking those notes. Some decisions are never made because one person is waiting for another and that person is waiting on another. 
And that person is waiting on somebody else. Effective decision makers find a way to act independently when necessary. Number seven is isolation. Some leaders do not recognize that involving others who have knowledge, who have experience, who have expertise, improves the quality of that decision. Why are you working harder? Work smarter. Ask for help. Don't build in isolation. Number eight, we lack technical depth. Organizations today are very complex, and even the best leaders do not have enough depth to fully understand multifaceted issues. But when decision makers rely on others' knowledge without any perspective, they have a difficult time integrating that information to make effective decisions. And the failure to communicate the what, the where, the when, and the how associated with their decision makes for a horrible jumbo soup. Some good decisions become bad decisions because people don't understand or even know about them. Which leads me to number nine, poor communication skills. Communicating a decision is critical to successful implementation. Failure to communicate that what, that where, that how, and most importantly, the why, can make or break purpose. Ten, overcommitting. Some leaders overcommit without counting up the cost. Is it you? <laughs> in other words, we don't think about what our yes will mean in the long run. I heard one leader put it this way, calculate your commitment because overcommitting not only damages you, it also adds more pressure to the team you're working with. Number 11, micromanaging. When leaders micromanage their team, 99% of the time, it's because they do not trust them. Rewind, say it again. When leaders micromanage their team, 99% of the time, it is because they do not trust them. Micromanagers are unwilling to let go of what they can control in order to allow others to thrive and develop their leadership skills as well. And number 12, procrastination. Biggest of all is the assumption that it can be done tomorrow. Nike's campaign is true. Yesterday you said tomorrow, and most leaders, most purpose partners, most carriers of calling are destroying their productivity by pushing what they can do today into tomorrow. And friends, all of these habits are crippling to the success of purpose. But as comprehensive as this list is, something's missing. Number one was laziness. Number two, not anticipating unexpected events. Number three, indecisiveness. Number four, remaining locked in the past. Number five, having no strategic alignment. Number six, overdependence. Number seven, isolation. Number eight, a lack of technical depth. Number nine, poor communication skills. Number 10, overcommitting. Number 11, micromanaging. Number 12, procrastination. So you're telling me, Sean, that there's still something else that the writer did not include in this list? And I'm saying yes. The main ingredient that is missing from this list as it relates to the self-sabotaging behaviors of ineffective leaders is intoxication. Yeah, I said it. Intoxication. As I read Esther 1 in light of purpose, I notice something abundantly clear about the downfall of this king and the decision he made. And here it is. He was drunk. Look at these verses once more. Verse 4 says, for a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor of his majesty. And when those days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest. Number seven, verse seven, wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other. 
and the royal wine was abundant. Look at your neighbor. Look at them in the chat. Find somebody. Look at their name. Look at somebody that's listening to this as you're listening to the podcast and say, do you have a goblet of wine? <laughs> Verse eight, by the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. So basically he paid the tab and they just kept on drinking. And number 10, on the seventh day, I'm looking at the 10th verse, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him. Verse 12, but when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Anger, anger. I wonder if his anger was prompted by alcohol. I wonder if his vision was blurred because he prioritized partying over purpose. I wonder if we have been reading this text all wrong. I wonder if we've been identifying with the story of Esther. We are the one God has chosen. But if we were really honest about our lives, we would realize we are not, in fact, Esther in this story. We're the intoxicated king. We are not the person who becomes the queen because of our obedience. We are more like the king who intoxicated with the high from spirits and wine made a poor decision at a party that had long lasting impact the next morning. How many of us are not Queen Esther? We may not even be the drunk king. Maybe we are Vashti. So busy in our own party called life that we miss a major moment to respond to God's call. Ouch. God has been calling you for some time. He's been calling each of us to come forth, but we are refusing. We're refusing for reasons that don't even make sense. None of us knows why Vashti didn't show up, but I believe this story reminds us that if we don't respond to the call, someone else will. Purpose outlives you. So I said all of that to say this. You have heard it said, don't drink and drive. But I say unto you, don't drink and decide. Our emotions are as unpredictable as Chicago and Florida weather. Today, you'll want to try again. Tomorrow, you'll want to quit. Today, you'll want to do it. Tomorrow, you won't want to do it. Whenever you are making a hard decision, you need accountability and documentation. Write down what you have decided and most importantly, why you have made that decision. If not, a sale will make you drift. A text will make you drift. A Facebook memory will make you drift and you cannot afford to keep repeating the same class. It is really time to graduate. So write it down. Why are you moving so fast? Write it down. Why must you close this door permanently? Write it down. Why are you staying and why must you try again? When you write it down, you memorialize your thoughts. You can refer to them again. And even when your emotions betray your logic, you have something to keep you grounded on what you are doing and why you are doing it. My second word of advice is to remember this. Every decision is an incision. You cannot arrive to destiny without making the right decisions. If you are so busy partying during a season where you should be preparing, you can't be upset when you don't receive the promise. If you are so busy partying during a season you should be preparing, you cannot be upset when you don't receive the promise. And God doesn't need you to finish every part of his plan. He needs you to do your part of his plan and then trust him to bring others into your life who will help you to finish. So purpose now, party later. This is the time to grind and focus, not a time to showcase and boast. Make more moves and less announcements. 
Purpose now and party later. God is settling you down right now so that you won't become so drunk off of the illusion of fame, high from the emotionalism of fleeting fortune, and derailed by the temporary things of this world. For the next 21 days, it's time to sober up. Embrace a new chapter and a new season called sobriety. Purpose now. Now listen, your purpose project is to really do some introspective work. I want you to list three of those poor habits out of the 12 I identified, and I want you to put together a plan to work on those. But then I also want you to investigate your level of intoxication. What are you drunk by? Because some are drunk by more things than alcohol. Some are drunk by the poison of parasitic perspectives. Some are drunk by the insecurity of not feeling enough. Where did you develop these habits? I want you to journal about them and then write a resolution plan. As you chart out this project, also consider looking on YouTube to find recommended ways to fix the habits you listed so that you can start working on them little by little. Finally, I do want you to invest in this book called Get Out of Your Own Way. Mark Golston is our professor of purpose today. And in his book, he says this, emotions are built on layers. Beneath hatred is usually anger. Beneath anger is frustration. Beneath frustration is hurt. Beneath hurt is fear. If you keep expressing your feelings, you will generally move through them in that order. So what begins with, I hate you, culminates in, I'm scared. I don't want to lose you. And I don't know what to do about it. Let's pray. God, Help me to remember that I'm not responsible for every part of the purpose equation. I am not supposed to be the president, the vice president, the accountant, the administrator, and the marketing manager. My job is to plant a seed and then trust that you will empower someone else who will water it, nurture it, and help it to grow. Queen Esther proves to me that all of my steps and even their missteps are ordered by you. I will not drink and decide. I will prioritize purpose over party in every aspect of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
you believe it, come on, open your mouth. You don't believe it because there's not a praise behind what you believe. Oh, I believe. 